favorite scary movie. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? For fun? Most people are so unwilling. I'm so sorry. To be what do you want? deep, deep waters of the Amazon, a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago, immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. <laughs> So welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, here on Inside Movies Galore. Uh, we are discussing Jack Arnold's Creatures or Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954. Uh, Michelle, since you haven't been here for uh, some time, uh, yes. well, a little bit of a lowdown of the film. And what, uh, what's your thoughts on it were the first time that you probably saw it and this time it uh you know this actually was i think the first time i saw it i knew what it was i've seen snippets of it here and there but i've never actually sat and watched the whole thing <laughs> so blasphemous so yeah well so i actually sat and watched i may have but of course i did a lot of drugs back when so who knows Already, I, I really liked it. It, I and I just watched, uh, it was probably like about what about three weeks, three, four weeks ago. I watched The Shape of Water, okay. And, Hot. and I've heard a lot of correlations between the two, so I was kind of excited to see what correlations I found. And other than the creature itself, there really was no correlation <laughs> between the two movies. I saw nothing other than the creature itself. <laughs> Okay, and uh, what uh, for its time period? Uh, uh, what do you uh, uh, what do you uh, do you think that? Well, the little well? some observations that that I had is you know for it's being a black lagoon, which is supposed to be you can't see through it, kind of water, very murky, brackish. It, it was pretty amazingly clear. They had great visibility with those cameras. In the <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, um. It doesn't fit, you know. When they're under the water, it's it was Caribbeany. It wasn't like swamp river. It it, it had like <laughs> the whole wrong kind of. It was not correct, you know, the way it should have looked, you know, to to a, a normal person, I guess. 
how you would think, but considering it's 1954 when they made this, it was actually very, very well done. And considering most of this is done on bodies of water, it was done shot, shot from and by boat. That in itself is tricky to not have your cameras bouncing all over the place and things like that. So, you know, at that time period. So for that, I thought it was actually very, very well done. Okay. The thing, the little thing that, that really bothered me is this little pile of branches though. That stops the boat from leaving the inlet and they they can't get past five branches. <laughs> he's not, he's, he's supposed to be like swamp creature. He's not part beaver. So, you know, that whole, <laughs> it just didn't work for me. <laughs> Little inconsistencies like that. Okay. Um, uh, Kate, Katie, uh, why don't you uh, tell me, is this your first time seeing the film? Um, like Michelle, I had never really sat down and seriously watched it. Um, it wasn't of the of the Universal Monsters um, creatures like the one that least interested me. Like as a kid and stuff, I, I always was more into like Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff like that. So um, I think it was probably the sci-fi, you know, influence there that made me as as a younger person just not watch it and not take it serious so this is actually my first time really sitting down watching it to watch it and to take it seriously and i actually really liked it a lot um i i enjoyed the the sci-fi element um to this film probably more than say like a forbidden planet or whatever um i liked the direction that this went um particularly it was believable to me, like why they were there, or why they were looking for this creature. Like, I, I could, if, if I was watching this in the fifties, I think it would, would have been a really legitimately cool and scary film for the time. I can only imagine what it was like to see movies in that time since I didn't live then. But, um, mm -hmm. I really, I really enjoyed just how they, they worked that that sci-fi element in, and you know, there was some little things that like. It, it, you know, it's a movie from the 50s. So, yeah, there were some things that made me laugh that were kind of ridiculous and some of the special effects. But I thought overall, um, the costume was really well done. Like, I, I pay attention to costuming and things like that quite a bit and try to figure out how they did certain things. So I actually really liked the costume <laughs> that they used. I thought, like, he did a really good job swimming in it and everything. Um, I was really intrigued by all of that, like, the technical aspect of the, the costuming and there probably wasn't a ton of special effects that they really had to do. Um, it just, it's just good costuming. And the fact that it was shot in black and white. And I think, I mean, movies were shot in color at that point, um, or it was possible to be shot in color, but um, I think being that it was black and white sort of added um, some of that creepy element to it that I don't know if it in that time period made it creepy, but it made me think of Dane and his black and white movies and how, you know, he goes for a particular um, mood with the black and white. And I sort of felt that in this movie too. So overall I liked it. Okay, cool. Uh, Red Raven, um, was this a first time watch for you? Yeah, this was my first time watching it and I really liked it. Okay. Um, I thought it was really good. Um, I really liked everything about it, and um, I read somewhere that um, even though it was shot in 3D, because um, in 1953 was like when the whole 3D craze came out, mm -hmm. um, but then it started dying down in 1954, uh, so more people saw this movie in the 2D version than the 3D version. Correct. But, and uh, then also the actor that played the Gilman was two different actors. One played him in the water, and then one played him on land. Correct. Yeah, they had somebody who yeah. was a diver in the in the water costume. Right. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that they had two different actors in the costume. One was on land, and then one was in the water. In fact, I remember uh, a documentary. Um, maybe it was a behind-the-scenes uh, uh, um, documentary uh, 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 based on the uh, creatures from the Black Lagoon. And uh, I remember uh, seeing an interview with the guy who was in the suit, and he, he was like overheated 
entirely the uh, the entire time and it was hard to maneuver in it but uh, when you see him in the water you can see that uh, that the uh, the actor that was playing him in the water was actually very agile you could see um right you could see that uh, that his torso was moving you know and it was just kind of unique and i think that's why the the water wasn't murky uh, and swampy exactly right yeah definitely so um, and then also it said that uh they re-released it into theaters in 1975. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, in fact, uh, they, they re-released re re it then that, uh, because, uh, because uh, that was uh, that was when the the craze of the drive-in theaters was 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 happening again, uh, uh, I believe, and uh, and also it was also the start of the fall of the drive-in. Yeah. Age. And then it uh, said there was two sequels after it in 1955 yep. and 1956. Correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the uh, the second one was Creatures Walk Among Us, uh, and then the third one was the Revenge of the Creature. That's wrong. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it, either of those, but I'd like to. One, and then Revenge is the second one. And Creature Walks Among Us is the there third. There we go. Creature uh, Walks Among Us was the one that got like weird and. Philosophical. <laughs> so, uh, in any case, uh, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about your first experience with the creature? Brandon? Septum, dude, where are you at? Oh, okay. sorry, I had the mute on. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I actually had uh, never seen it before. I'd gotten them when I was picking up the individual monster collections. Okay. Um, I kept on having problems getting hold of the big monster movie set, but I wanted all the movies of each of the classic Universal monsters. So I used that opportunity to watch all three movies in the documentary that they supplied on there. Okay. Did you get those yeah. sweet steel no, books? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wish I had a steel book of it, <laughs> but uh, it was actually, I was very impressed by it, uh, by how well it was done. I mean, even the intricacies of how they, uh, how they worked the, the slight dance between uh, the creature and the woman swimming at the top, even though she didn't realize it, it felt like uh, a dance that they were both doing. Okay. And uh, looking at the uh, intricacies of the suit, like what had they made, they made like a special one with air bladders in it to uh, look like the gills were working. Um, just uh, all, all the uh, all the different things, aside from the weirdness of the third movie, um, it was it was to me uh, quite a pleasant surprise. Okay, um, and uh, Dustin, why don't why don't you tell me a, li a little bit about your first encounter with the creature? And I'm not talking about the action figure that you're uh, joking there. Well, I just had to get him out. I mean, look at his ass. It's spectacular. Uh, look at his ass, though? Not literally, as the flames of hell ignite in the background. Uh, well, fine, weirdo. <laughs> anyway, so the creature from the Black Lagoon sort of digs into my childhood, which is somewhat rare for some of the horror things that I'm into. Um, I used to read a lot of Goosebumps books and R.L. Stein said that the creature was his favorite. And so I went and I saw it then and I didn't quite get it, but I liked it anyway. Like, uh, it's sort of funny that like she was the, she felt that this one was boring. Uh, I've been describing the creature from the Black Lagoon as the universal monster that's worth a damn. Um, because I haven't seen all of the Universal Classic Monsters, but I've been, each one has been kind of like a, uh, when is it over, like at some point, and that didn't happen with the creature. Um, so, plus he's the most unique out of all of them. I think he's the only original creation, although I'm almost certainly wrong about that. Uh, so, I mean, I've had a bit of a history with the creature, and I'm really happy to get to talk about this one. So I did indeed get the fancy steel book. Okay. Out of the way. Uh, this was the only one that like actually sold out of those two. 
Well, and, uh, the interesting thing about this director is uh, he, he's he's kind of uh, kind of known for many uh, many of the different uh, 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 monster uh, films that uh, that were out uh, out there. Uh, for example, it came from outer space. Uh, uh, also, uh, he directed the sequel to the uh, to this and uh, Tarantula from uh, 1955, um, and later the Space Children from 1958, Monster on Campus from 1958 as well. So, uh, I mean, uh, ulti ultimately, uh, it, it, he was also relatively big into the TV. Um, uh, uh, TV, uh, certain episodes of Rawhide, uh, uh, and uh, uh, other uh, TV uh, things like Alice, uh, uh, Alias Smith and jo uh, uh, Jones, uh, some episodes of the Brady Bunch. So uh, we we definitely have a, a man who seems to uh, to know his way about the. Uh, a way about the filmmaking world. So, um, uh, Dane, why don't uh, you tell me your first encounter with the creature? Well, um, I grew up on all of the classic Universal monster movies, um, and never at any point did I say that when is this going to be over? Because they, all of them, held my interest. They were all very formative parts of my childhood, especially the creature from the Black Lagoon. That was my number one favorite out of all of them, still is. It's one of my all-time favorite films of any genre, any time period, because uh, it had a huge impact on me and my style of filmmaking, um, particularly because I grew up in Monterey, uh, California, which has the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which is one of the leading marine research institutes in the world. And... Uh, so I was very, and I took swimming lessons when I was little, and it was like I was very much entrenched in the beauty of nature and uh, the majesty of, well, of evolution of marine biology specifically, and I was swimming, and it was just like it was natural, plus the fact that I think out of all the Universal Monster films, it tells the most complete story, it uh, has the most suspense, it... Uh, has a good mixture of humor in it as well and it uh it just has a great sense of scientific wonder which you have to love about uh those the 1950s was the golden age of sci-fi at least in terms of cinema and you can really see that there's a sense of wonder about the film and that just really piqued me piqued my interest when i was a kid because had i not gone down the route of filmmaking and if i had been more I don't know, less creatively inclined and more, more mathematically inclined. I probably would have been like a marine scientist or something like that. And even well, even today, I'm still highly interested in all that kind of stuff. And um, so it's, and I just love, the, I love the Gill Man. I love, uh, I don't know, I can't say enough good things about it, really. Cool. Nice. Uh, uh, I've got some, I've got some animal horror movies I can recommend to you later then. Um, that's pretty cool having that kind of connection to it. Like, I was more of an alien kid, so that's maybe why my sensibilities were kind of different. Uh, There's no uh, way I would have been allowed to watch that at that age. <laughs> that was one of the first movies they let me rent. Like, I was three when I saw Alien. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> well, the creature didn't bother me, but when Ash gets his head punched off, like, that freaked me out, like, bad. But I was fine with the alien killing people. It was. Does I, I anyone was here like me think that, in in a sense, that uh, the uh, the story between the, the creature and the main uh, lady in the film, um, uh, uh, that there is, in a sense, a kind of romance going on? They've made an argument for that, but I don't. I can see the symbolism once it's been pointed out, like in. Uh, in the Blu-ray, there were there was a lot of talk about about that in some of the special features, like how there was sort of a like sexual element to like the swimming scene. In the and, creepy rabie way. Yeah. Well, when you look for it, I mean, yeah, you can see it, but I didn't quite. I don't quite think it was intentional. 
people. Even though the first thing he seemed to have was a foot fetish? Well, keep, keep in mind that uh, by this point, we'd already had King Kong, we'd already had Frankenstein, we'd already had Dracula, Wolfman. I mean, in every one of those, you have the classic image of the uh, monster carrying off the girl. And in some some ways, it is you know a sexual thing like it is with Dracula. Other ways, it's like a primitive fascination kind of thing like it is with Frankenstein's monster and with the and in this case, uh, keep in mind that the girl man hasn't really seen humans other than the ones encroaching on his his lagoon, as well as he hasn't seen a human woman before. So if anything, it's has its own sort of fascination to it. So um, while you could easily read a you know sexual element into it, I mean, besides just the archetypical thing of carrying off the girl, which every you know, monster movie from that era has it. Uh, he's observing them just as much as they're observing him, and of course he's. But he's also primitive, so he wants them off his land. He's just doing what an animal's supposed to do. Okay. Um, I've actually also heard or read that the that there's there's sort of um, some racist overtones that that people have brought up about the creature representing like the black man trying to, to, to steal the white woman away or, um, you know, much like the King Kong type scenario. Um, and, and even like, if you look at some of the pictures of um, the creature, like in color, like the movie posters or whatever, um, it's very, very reminiscent of the, the really stereotypical um, African-American portraits from those those times and I was just reading on that and I thought it was really interesting and I didn't know if anybody would have picked up on that like I didn't pick up on it until I read about it but I think that's kind um, of personally I think that's kind of overreaching simply if for no other reason that uh, the ge the geography doesn't work because it's in the Amazon uh, that it's, it's not that that's what it's supposed to be but that it's um it's a representation of that. It's they're playing even, it out in movie form, even, not necessarily. Even I can see how you could how they could come to that conclusion with uh, the way they colorized the lips in some versions. But I think yeah. the entire I think the entire thing was just like flat gray, and um, a lot of those weird color combos. They, they made a commentary. They made a comment about that on the Blu-ray that they weren't sure how they were getting all these weird colors on it when they were doing those posters. What do you think, Brandon? Uh, do you think that there was uh, some kind of a romance going on uh, between uh, the, uh, the two uh, main ca uh, characters, between the female and the creature? Uh, I mean, I mean, I know there was kind of a love triangle uh, going on with the two men and her. There was sort of a romance going on with the creature and the main uh, and the main female lead in all three movies, in my opinion. Well, maybe not on the female lead's part, but at least on the creature's part. Uh, as I say, that, but in the beginning scene, I mean, that's just unmistakable. The way that he, uh, the way that the creature swims alongside her, looking at her, almost caressing her instead of the outright just basic aggression and attack that he, that he shows everybody else. Because even, even this far into the film, the creature has killed people pretty much indiscriminately. Oh yeah, but uh, by he's at least killed four people. <laughs> well, uh, so one thing you have to say with uh, the uh, female lead in this, and they don't do as much with it as they would nowadays, but at least they, uh, at least the effort was made relative to the fifties, is that she's able to. I mean, she is a scientist along with them, and is. Uh, you know, trying to figure out what it is, it, uh, what, what the fossil means. So, I mean, nowadays I would take that and run with it even more, but, you know, give them credit for doing that at that time. And I think she's one of the more, Kay is one of the more interesting of the, um, universal leading ladies at that time period. Um, but and I also, think she only tripped over her own feet like once where it was ridiculous, yeah. where she looked helpless. <laughs> I, I, I only saw that happen one time. Yeah, they were they were better they were better on that than they typically were, especially for that time period. Yeah. Uh, like some of the characters did kind of give her crap for it once or twice. Uh, give her give her give them credit for that. Not only the fact that um, 
unlike a lot of 80s slasher films that would come later, these characters have every reason to be where they are. They have a reason to, they have a reason to go there. They have a reason to be there and they have a reason to stay there. And, you know, why they're trapped even, you know, makes sense. Which here's the thing, like the, the branches or whatever, the tree that is trapping them may not look like much from the, uh, from the surface, but there's a lot more to it when you dive down, you know, so and it's enough to trap a boat, you know, I don't think it, it wouldn't be good for the boat to plow through that, you know, tear yeah. it up. Plus um, they, they've shown that it was can, not well yeah. made like a beaver dam. <laughs> That's what uh, my point was. It should be fairly that, easy. Oh. Sorry. Uh, they, they have shown that the creature is extremely strong, like multiple times. So I fully believed he was able to like throw some trees in there. <laughs> I think he, he was very, well, that's the thing I really like about the, the Gill Man is that he's very, well, intelligent, but, you know, just, just the right amount of intelligent. Like, he's not dumb. He's just, he behaves like an animal, you know, like, like a territorial animal that is, you know, is clever and wants to keep the, you know, he wants to keep uh, interlopers out of his turf, but also... You know, now that they're there, he's not going to let them go. You know, so it, if I, which actually I, it has a lot in common with what would eventually become Jaws, in the sense that like you have a creature of an aquatic creature that is very intelligent, that you know is able to resist efforts to capture it. You know, like with the the net or like the barrels in Jaws. And one that attacks the boat in the middle of the night, it causes some of the uh, parts of the boat to break off, you know. And uh, they did, this one didn't have the ship sink, which that would have been cool. Uh, but then again, they would never have got. They'd have all totally died if the ship sank there. Yeah. Plus, they probably still needed pieces of the sets uh, so, uh, so that they could uh, just go on with each scene. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, did anyone notice how uh, when they were going down uh, down below in the water and they were shooting those water spears? Uh, did anyone notice how the spears just stayed in the gun? No, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. I noticed that too. That, uh, that was something that I noticed. Uh, you saw the bubbles, but the the spears that were with the gun stayed in the gun. Yeah. I thought those were just like the spare spears. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were spares. It was a quick reload. Well, to me, when I was growing up, uh, 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 of course, the Universal Monster movies were uh, were part of my repertoire as well. Uh, watching uh, watching them, learning uh, learning about the different monsters and whatnot. And the Gill Man, to me, is an interesting story. Because to me, me viewing it, now, uh, from uh, from then, I'm, uh, I notice a, a little bit uh, more. And to me, in my in my own uh, mind, there is a romance going on to uh, to me because not about to me it's it's not even that it's about that he's killing because uh, because it's his territory. His main focal point is getting to that woman. Uh, it, 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 it's like the uh, the people that he's killing are, are just in his way. So it, to me, there's definitely a romance thing going on. So uh, so, uh, I mean, w whether or not everyone else realized that or, or whatnot, to me, there was a kind of a thing going on. So, uh, Red Raven, what do you think? Uh, do you think there was kind of a romance going on? And uh, what what? What does a, 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 any of the ladies here think of that, uh, 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 Katie's idea that, uh, that uh, there's a race thing going on? Not my idea, something um, I read. Okay. I just want to make that clear, no, not no, my no, idea. I definitely looked at some of the posters in color, and you could definitely tell that, like, the lips are different colors in some of the posters. Some of them, they made them, like, bright pink, and then others, they had them, like, a the same color as his skin so i could see where maybe they could take it that way but i don't know really 
neither uh, do I. I've, I've actually uh, never thought of it in that light. I, I guess I would have to look at the the posters a little bit more and overreach a little bit. <laughs> I don't think that theory holds up personally. I don't think there's enough evidence to suggest a race tie. I mean, there's been other like, uh, I mean, like something like I walked with a zombie, which is only, I only bring it up just because the setting is more amenable to some kind of, you know, race uh, commentary of, of some sort or other. Um, just because the setting, the fact that there are actual, you know, non-white humans in it and that kind of stuff. This thing is so, the Creature from the Black Lagoon is so heavily rooted in science and animal behavior, animal evolution, all that stuff that just, it doesn't seem to fit in with the kind of story that they're trying to tell. Okay. So, uh, did anyone else have anything else to add? Dustin? Hey, I thought it was kind of odd that the film opens up with, in the beginning, blah, 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 and then it jumps right into, like, animal evolution. So it seemed to be kind of sending almost mixed signals. Like, I think with the 50s crowd, maybe you needed that that kind of opening um, to get to evolution, but it was kind of jarring, like, to me. Well, it's trying uh, to establish... Idea. It's it's a way of illustrating, well, a form of creation in the sense of like a primordial. It's really trying to get to essentially the primordial ooze and or the a prim, primordial forms of life and Earth that has no life and is only just barely formed has oceans and that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's, it's a highly highly condensed version of the history of the Earth formation and uh you know in the history of there's formation and what evolution is and all that kind of stuff i mean it's it it's less uh truncated than you would think it would be um obviously it's not a science textbook but it's you know and plus it's just got that extra layer of drama to it as well well it did it just seemed like the it, to me it felt like the tones were clashing and i was kind of like what Oh, whatever. Yeah, like in the beginning, God created the Earth in seven days, and then evolution happened in five billion years. I, I kind of picked up on that too. Is weird. It's it was just it's that it's that fifties melodrama voice where like. Roe versus Wade was uh, creeping in. Well, you know that uh, this is this is the sixties, and it's not a it's not a. Uh, but no, this 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 example I'm about to reference, it was from a 60s film, and it didn't actually make the final cut. But did you know that in Doctor Strangelove, the whole plot was supposed, the whole plot of the film was supposed to be from the point of view of aliens observing uh, unfold on Earth. You know, so in other words, they were, and that one's granted that's a comedy, but still, it it just kind of tells you that. I think that we are used to we we are used to a very specific way of stories being told to us these days that I think that people at that time weren't they weren't looking at things that same way and uh, you know so I think that's important to keep in mind plus the fact that it just gives it that extra air of drama and and also the fact that people didn't look at religion and science as like this ginormous dichotomy back then that they do today, you know, and, uh, okay. Um, Michelle, uh, do you, uh, do you think that there's kind of a, uh, a misjumbled message there in the beginning? Uh, not really. I, I mean, films from that era, they always had some kind of like preface to them where they would say something to kind of get you into the right frame of mind for what you were going to see. And that's all I took that as. It, it, to me, it fit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really just setting the scene. That's all it's doing, and I think it does it very well. And and keep in mind the fact that the uh, the Scopes trial was not that long ago. It was what was that the late twenties? I think. Um, uh, I want to say twenty eight, twenty nine. I'm probably off somewhat. I thought it was like either that or I thought it was like 25. Let me check that. That could have been it too. 20 sounds right. Although I haven't thought about it for a very long time. <laughs> 25. That's right. I was right. Um, so, but okay. So that, that was like almost 30 years prior. 
so in other words it wasn't that long ago when the what the modern day notions of science of evolution versus religion uh that that was sort of when that idea first started to come into being but it didn't it was there but it wasn't nearly as uh kind of battleground politicized the way that it is now and yeah billy billy graham hadn't destroyed america yet right here's the question (laughs) science fiction uh, uh, films of that era what was evolution really talked of before creature you know i can't remember any I can think of no, and that that's another thing to you know speak about with this film is the fact that it. I, I think it really does hold up. I mean, the, the central premise of it is just the idea that some evolutionary offshoot, uh, in a remote part of the Earth, which. In, discovering new species all the time. I, I actually, right before we started this, there was a story about this, uh, which I have no idea if it's actually true. It could easily be a hoax, but um, there are these photos that were sent around in, I think it was Florida or someplace, uh, someplace down south um, of this creature that looked like the Loch Ness Monster that had washed up on shore, and they weren't sure if it was actually an undiscovered species or if it was like a decayed species of shark that they tend to look primitive um when they decompose to a certain stage or whatever i know a lot about that actually um the way it's called cryptozoology yeah Yeah. um what those what happens with carcasses like that is when a shark dies uh all of the tissue falls off of its basically just falls off of its spine to really condense the explanation. So what you're left with is like all the bulky stuff falls off, leaving you with this big lump at the end where its head would have been. And then just the spine like connected to whatever's left of the body. And it very often ends up looking like a, a rotted plesiosaur. Well, sharks um, are also It's just the fact that they have so much cartilage. They don't have like a a skeleton in the way that we do, where our yeah. bones are around for quite a while. Right, so parts of it will fall off, and oftentimes the shape you'll get, you know, what looks like a tiny head attached to your neck with the remains of a couple flippers, and boom. Exactly. <laughs> but the, uh, there has also been a uh, 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 possible uh, possibility that someone created uh, uh, something to look exactly like that and took a photo of it and there you go <laughs> and that's, that's precisely why i give it uh many disclaimers there that it's not it, i just saw it and it's not been proven whatsoever but the point is that i mean even on the microscopic level we're discovering new species discovering new species of fish not too long ago they uh, uh they found that that, that meg shark jaws because uh the only thing that really fossilizes on those are the teeth and so the best they've been able to do is make mock-ups of the jaws from the teeth like have they discovered like a real fossilized jaw from megalodon not too sure but i know i remember pictures of uh, a giant jaw uh, that uh, that would definitely mammoth like all of us in in like one combined <laughs> six, six feet six Sit feet there, take a yeah. picture. six feet is the general <laughs> is the general uh, estimate for that um that the size of smiths for megalodon put it somewhere between 55 to 75 feet i think uh, i think 75 may be a little extreme like i would i would personally venture 60 would be um you see cryptozoology about stuff like this that was my hobby when I was like younger, like elementary school through high school. Um, I was all about cryptozoology, so I know a lot about this. <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating subject. It's not scientific in the conventional sense, but it's more about yeah. it's more. It's more fun. I mean, I. It's it's the idea behind it is not a wrong one in the sense that like you're looking for something that 
hasn't been discovered yet, something that isn't there, something, yeah. something so, that perhaps could be there, but we just haven't been able to either find a live one or we've been interpreting it or something. Like, I've seen lots of photos of supposedly a chupacabra, uh, but it is actually... Um, that was like rotted dogs or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, well, one thing that may encourage you is the... I'm, you probably know about coelacanths, right? I have heard of it, yeah. Uh, well, the coelacanth is a fish that disappears from the fossil record. Uh, I forget the exact date, but several, several million years ago. Like, it just ceases to exist, and so it was assumed extinct. And in the 20s, they found living specimens uh, in the deep in deep waters off the coast of Africa. <laughs> like, there is no trace of it whatsoever between when it last appears in the fossils so many tens, if not hundreds of millions of years ago, and boom, the living ones that they discovered in the 20s. Uh, and I mean, it's it's changed very, very little to the point where it looks like the fossils. I mean, obviously it's it must have continued to evolve somewhat, but yeah. it's so close, I mean, it may as well be the same thing. So that's always been a big point of encouragement for cryptozoology. And, the oceans uh, are vast and deep. And a lot of these creatures have no need to change. There's no need for them to evolve. No. Especially in the deep ocean area. Agreed. There's no reason to, uh, to say that maybe uh, a crack in the Earth's floor. Uh, well, isn't it uh, punctured equilibrium? Well, crazy. Uh, equilibrium where, like, there's not a compelling genetic reason to evolve. And certain things just kind of peak, more or less, even though there is some kind of change, but it's rather slow. I would argue that that's something you can kind of see examples of in sharks. Like, sharks have very little physical changes, but uh, they have a bunch of other attributes that I would assume would have been... Well, the way I always summarized it was... Now, I don't know this for sure, but the way I always imagine shark evolution was once the body plan was done, like, evolution started working on, like, the insides... So they are very disease resistant, like they have, frankly, unknown lifespans in many cases. Um, so evolution doesn't necessarily have to be on the outside. Let, let's just put it that way. And uh, I mean, I kind of, I left being superstitious about things um, when I left religion, but I let myself... I let myself still have sea monsters because that's 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 just fun, you know. <laughs> it has it has a chance of being true too, and that's that's a really exciting thing. Like reading about, um, it's like oh, so and so sighting of this, and actually, it's kind of funny you mentioned Monterey because uh, it doesn't Monterey Bay have its own monster? Um, probably. I not one that I am familiar with, but like the thing is with the the um. The trenches and and the water just offshore, they're so deep and so full of some of the richest uh, marine ecosystems you can think of that there's really no need for legends, as far as I know, just because the real things are so beautiful and so they they're just able to find so many different things all the time. And uh, I was just lucky enough to be there to see them all uh, with my own eyes. Like they had a deep sea exhibit. And I mean, a lot of that stuff is very Gilman like it just doesn't happen to be humanoid, but um, it uh, is equally as fascinating and wonder wondrous, you know? Most yeah. um, I'm looking it up right now. There was, it is the monster of Monterey. I'm going to send you this. You'll love this. Getting back to the creature, uh, what did uh, everyone think about the suit? The suit oh. was spectacular. Uh, what about they, you? Raymond? I thought the eyes were probably one of the creepiest parts. <laughs> the eyes yes. looked great. Like in the second, in the other ones, they changed it for. Well, they didn't even seem to know what reason they changed the eyes for in the sequels. But like, I know the eyes didn't move, but the way that the guy in the suit acted like you could you got like inferences from the face even though it was expressionless it's like you could tell he was pissed in this scene and when, or, 
or like curious, mm -hmm. for example. And when you look at his uh, hindsight, uh, when he's diving da uh, down and you see his tail, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like a, an alligator or something. You know? uh, he didn't have a tail. No, he didn't. I just like the complexity. The noise he made—he sounded yeah. like yeah. A, a like a dead cow or something. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Like I, I liked that it was a vocal creature because usually aquatic things aren't terribly vocal. Well, I, I loved his sound. Sounds like I don't know what, don't know what they used to record. It like with. a walrus. Kind of. I mean, well, actually, um, Chewbacca's roar was based off of walruses, bears, uh, things like that. But then I don't know what they used for the creature's sound. It sounded very believable. It's <laughs> That was his sound. The music, <laughs> yeah. the music was incredible. Um, but the uh, I, I liked that his sound. His sounds were kind of like if a frog could roar. You know, that's kind of how I would describe it. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. One other thing. That. Yeah. One other thing that I seem to uh, to, uh, to like about this film is the uh, the text in the credits, the uh, the, uh, the way that uh, they uh, they. I mean, a lot of films from the fifties, especially the science fiction ones, always had some like cool text to uh, to the title uh, or, or whatnot, even in the trailers. You know, uh, I mean, you know, funny that you say that because I just remembered. Um... So in college, I did a well. Actually, it was three three projects that I kind of merged into one because they were all so short. Um, you can find it on my YouTube channel. It's not one that I could ever, I could never release it in a in an official capacity just because there's way too many copyrighted assets in it. Uh, but you can see it on my YouTube channel because I'm not trying to monetize it or anything. But it was called uh, Potatoes from Outer Space, and it was my first. Um, after effects project and uh in uh parts of it i used the opening theme from creature from the black lagoon and uh, it fits really well because it's kind of an homage to ed wood and to 1950s sci-fi in general and that i just love the music and the font and the overall the black and white the atmosphere that they had um that's that's what i grew up on <laughs> I knew there was a reason I thought of you when I was watching this movie, Dane. Oh, well, it, it influenced me in a bunch, a bunch of ways. <laughs> I knew that, and you didn't even tell me. I know. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I found, I found that thing I was looking for. It's uh, like a short found footage thing on the monster of Monterey, and at 18 minutes, you'll see, like, the scariest fucking thing of all time, or at least to me. <laughs> so, enjoy that, Dane. I'll have to give that a watch. <laughs> so, um, did uh, Brandon, um, did you have anything else to uh, add to the parade? Well, the only thing that I can add on to it is that it was much more than I originally thought it would be, which shouldn't surprise me because I've seen uh, pretty much all the other Universal films. I just haven't seen this particular one. And a lot of them, there's a lot more depth to these to these creature features than you would think. Uh, at least if you're looking at it from the surface or from what people refer to them as during pop culture. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't just you know your cheesy popcorn films like uh, well, like some of the stuff you see on Mystery Science Theater. These actually have a lot more depth to them. So. I, I have to say, it was something that was worth the experience, and I'm glad that I got to have it. Cool. Well, and, it's, uh, and it's one of those things that, like, glad you said that, because that's why I think the the Universal Monster films, as far as classic horror films, those are, like, the gold standard. And I think, at least for my money, Creature from the Black Lagoon is the best, because I feel like it's trying to say the most with its subject matter and I think it succeeds the best with the kind of materials it's working with because uh, like keep in mind like uh, Dracula and the Frankenstein monster are probably more uh, iconic figures in the sense that they came out earlier they came out in 1931 but those films are then they're all classics in their own way it's just like 
the big difference is that the kind of storytelling that was around in 1931 is not the same as the storytelling that was around in 1954, which is not what it was in the 60s, 70s, all the way up until today, because it just pounds on itself. And like the, the 1930s, often you could have rather simple stories, but they were effective nonetheless. And then as you moved along, you got to see that they took more chances and that kind of stuff. And so you kind of see that reflected with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Plus it's in widescreen. It, uh, you know, it has a bit more like conventional script structure, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I would, I agree with basically all of that. Like this is almost certainly, um, I'm going to just call it early. Like I think this is definitely the best universal monster because, uh, it has its own like unique thing in it. Like the creature from the Black Lagoon is not some thing from an eighteen hundreds novel like characters like Dracula and Frankenstein are. Like they came up with this more or less on their own. And I think that it shows Independent. I don't know, something something about it just it speaks to me more and it's almost arguably a better character in that you don't get a whole lot of background info on the creature. Like, what if there really is more than one... Or what if there really is more than one creature there at the lagoon, and they just keep running into this one? There is a suggestion that, that there were, uh, were more creatures at one point in time because of the claw that they found. Exactly, and for, for a population to exist in the wild, there has to be more than one. Well, that's, that's, that's what I uh, that's what I said last time that, um, and I will very quickly, one thing, I'm so glad that all of the previous t attempts at remakes and reboots and stuff have all failed because that just allows for this one to be more pure and to stand the test of time. That being said, if one were to do a sequel, reboot, remake, I think it'd be great to see there to, I would love to see multiple creatures in the either the the black lagoon or mm -hmm. adjacent lagoon something you wouldn't start off the first movie with that but you know as you went on i think it'd be cool to see multiple ones and kind of see well, where they live and that kind of stuff movie spin-offs that people have done over the years uh that i would like to mention is uh one that being bill rebane's rana um which is actually yes. more of a, cr a frog creature, which uh, trauma Same difference. Essentially, yeah, I know, but still. trauma from the Black Lagoon. That was basically. Yeah, but, they, but they put it with a crappy title, Croat. I mean, who the hell? Anyways, well, they tried. Also, creatures from the Hillbilly Lagoon, which is. <laughs> I saw that. Which is, that was weird. which is the kind of a comical side of effect that was uh, created by Richard Griffin, which I wanted to uh, to, uh, to mention out there. Hello, Richard. Anyways, hey, uh, random did, guy. Actually, did um uh the since speaking of Universal Monsters, did Abbott and Costello ever get to meet the creature from the Black Lagoon? They did, actually. <laughs> well, and, they did or didn't? Plus. I think they did. If everyone oh, remembers, they said... Well, we got Monster Squad, like the Monster yeah, Squad. I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. Oh, sorry. Beat you to it. <laughs> Too bad now. Um, and uh, various other... Um, and uh, like uh, Michelle was saying, that uh, that people were saying that the shape of water was in likeness to um, the creature uh, from the Black Lagoon. You know... I really want to see it now. Well, it's actually a, a quite a good movie, and it it is it's kind of like it's put back in time in a way. The way the clothes are, the film style, I loved it. Do I think it's a Creature from the Black Lagoon movie? Yes and no. I mean, the the creature is similar, but the story is completely different. Which is why I was going to suggest it did win three Oscars. That, which is why I was going to suggest it as a follow up for our next week. Uh, a week's bill. Fuck yeah, yeah doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I was going to say was that uh, one, uh, another person who was heavily inspired by Creature from the Black Lagoon was Chris Carter, 
who created the X-Files and uh, the creature that they had, the Fluke Man, was directly inspired by the creature from the Black Lagoon, except it was obviously a fluke creature. Fluke Man was fucking creepy. Holy yeah, shit. looked incredible. <laughs> I, see, I can see that, though. Like, the design similarities to the Fluke Man's face. Yeah. Well, he was uh, directly inspired by that film, and you can definitely see similarities. You can also see um, some... Uh, I kind of thought a little bit of possibly a kiss of uh, like a Scully, Mulder, Skinner kind of uh, dynamic with uh, our three leads. It's it's very vague. It's not as like clear as other things that I've seen. I need to watch that episode again. Like that's one of the better episodes of the X Files too. Uh, yeah. But I haven't seen the show for so long. I haven't. Uh, I have the complete series, but I just haven't gone back to the very beginning because that's kind of a big commitment to do that but oh yeah and i would i would argue about half of the x-files episodes just aren't that exciting frankly Uh, my favorite what does everyone think about how he died in the end how they just kind of sprayed him with bullets and then he fell in the water i don't think he died that left a lot open like wasn't it revealed in the second one that no he didn't die like he was sort of okay yeah, we don't know if he died. Correct. I like that he returned to the water. Which is why eventually down the road, uh, I think uh, we could cover the uh, two sequels that were uh, that were made. Uh, uh, but I figured we'll space it apart so that it'll give us some time to go into them. <laughs> well, and, uh, keep in mind that Revenge of the Creature, I believe that was the one that I'm thinking of. That's the one that had... Uh, I think it was Clint Eastwood's very first movie role. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that in the extras yep. for this one. Because um, it came up like a little 40-minute documentary just about all the creature movies. <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, Clint Eastwood was in this. And it's like, oh, neat. Yep. All right. On that note, I think we've uh, talked about everything that needs to be talked, of, uh, uh, talked about. It. So, uh, Katie... Um, why don't you end on a note and uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from, uh, from and what you do. Sure thing. I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and alternative model. And you can find me uh, now on patreon.com slash Katie Cadaver MKE. That stands for Milwaukee or on Instagram at third eye open that's three r d e y e zero p e n i'm also the makeup artist for horror punk band rat bat spider and you can listen to them at ratbatspider.bandcamp.com and i'm a dead girl for deggers dark coffin classics and you can watch deggers dark coffin classics on vimeo.com ddcc and i also am a performer and a producer for grindhouse tees burlesque and you can find us at facebook.com grindhouse tees and if you are in the cincinnati area and planning on going to whorehound this weekend on Saturday, I will be hanging out with Uncle Lloyd and the fine folks at Troma. Um, so come and see us at the Troma booth at uh, Horhound Cincinnati. Cool. Sweet. I have to have you pick some stuff up for me. Coming back on, I know it's been a couple of weeks or uh, whatnot. So uh, why don't you tell A couple? About, yeah, so what? Anyways. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, Michelle? Oh, you're talking to me. I didn't. <laughs> I thought you were talking to Dustin. <laughs> oh no, I was well, saying. I was basically saying I missed you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I've had a, I've had some career changes going on, uh, and I wasn't happy with them. So when I don't like my life, I change it. <laughs> So I'm in the process of, of the evolution of Michelle. <laughs> so anybody who anybody who does who who maybe is familiar with me, I've been in entertainment for forty plus years out of the Detroit area. I think I'm losing sound here. <laughs> um you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Michelle Yeager, J A E G E R, and my birthday is on Thursday. Cool. Happy early birthday. I almost Thank certainly you. forget. So, uh, um, Red Raven, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? 
I'm Red Raven. I'm from Lake Geneva, and I book shows in the Milwaukee area. And I'm also a uh, Degger at Degger's Dark Coffin Classics. Very cool. Do you have any concerts uh, planned for the summer yet? Or? Uh, there will be one coming up in June, and I'll let you more know more about that uh, as it gets closer. Very cool. Uh, Brandon, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and where you're from? Uh, yes, I'm Brandon Farmer. I'm, uh, I run a uh, YouTube channel called Septum Send Versus the World. Um, we are all about physical media on our channel. Uh, we are starting actually uh, to do some new things, uh, trying to uh, shake things up, make things a little bit more exciting, make the videos uh, a little bit shorter but more enjoyable. And uh, we have uh, some fun coming up this uh, week, actually. Uh, one, I'm doing a collection tour, and then the other is we're going to be doing a, um, a little vlog on uh, movies in our collection that we can't stand but have in our collection anyway for uh, alternate reasons. Attack uh, of the which Killer I, Tomatoes. I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I actually have quite a few movies like that in my collection where it's like, I know that they're not good, nor do I necessarily like them, but they're one of those things is like, it's a movie that's so bad, it's like you got to just preserve it like a museum, you know? <laughs> well, that's why I have a disaster movie in my collection. <laughs> I have the, I have the not so good, some, a, lot, a lot of the not so good Adam Sandler movies in there and like movie 43 and things like that, just because it's like, you know, you just got to remember, remember what a bad movie really is. Like, people always say, oh, so-and-so, it was real bad. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, I, I really do think that's important to, like, see bad movies so that way you know what a bad movie truly is because everyone will love to say that such-and-such such was so bad, but they don't know. Hi, Mark. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's go to Dane. Uh, Dane, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about uh, uh, what you do and where you're from? Well, I am Dane Kyle from Charlotte, North Carolina, independent filmmaker. And uh, you can check out my YouTube channel for the film I mentioned, Potatoes from Outer Space, as well as some other stuff I've done. The, uh, let me think, I've done a whole lot of stuff like I just got done uh, I was playing a uh, killer clown uh, acting in a film that I wrote and directed and I, I played a killer clown and uh, trying to do it for uh, Clownsploitation which is the anthology film and that's, I remember telling you about that <laughs> yeah, that's right and I was just trying to shoot for it um, but uh yeah, I'm trying to do that, and then, um, let's see, my contribution to Before We Are Many, that anthology film, they're still working on trying to shoot the rapper for that, and uh, we're still working on the web series, my latest film, The Big Blind, is, uh, it's out, and I need to get back on without a box in order to, you know, find some festivals to submit it to, and that kind of stuff. Cool. So lots, lots going on. Lots more pipeline very soon. Cool. Um, uh, and Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're from? Yeah, I got a quick thing. So the band Mastodon has a song called The Creature Lives. And I highly recommend you guys check that out because it was kind of written about the creature from the Black Ragoon. And I even found on YouTube here right now... Uh, a video where somebody put, well, it to the movie. Wait, what's the song called? The Creature Lives. It's pretty fucking cool. I think I've heard that song. It's off of one of their older albums. Like, it's great. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, know I, just wanted to, I just wanted to plug it for a moment there. Um, well, I'm Dustin. I go to UW-Milwaukee here in you know, Amsterdam. Milwaukee, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so pretty soon I'm going to be doing a review of a movie called Slippus, which I'm pretty sure is a crappy ripoff. Well, we'll see. It, it's probably a decent ripoff 
of uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, look for that coming out fairly soon. Uh, I'm doing it at last. <laughs> uh, I have an Instagram where I show off all of the preposterous horror things I collect. Uh, DHR Hunter, all in word. And I'm going to be posting some new images fairly soon, uh, including my uh, little friend, the creature here, uh, who you saw plenty of earlier. Uh, it was actually one of the first things I, th I found when I came here to Milwaukee. It was only 10 bucks. Cool. So, uh, yeah, a lot of exciting things. And that'll be that review will be on Movies Galore's blog at uh, link in description. <laughs> Not quite to the review. Not quite yet, but soon. soon. And uh, I am your host, David Streggy. I run Movies Galore Milwaukee, which is a group as well as a blog. I also run Inside Movies Galore here with these fine deviants, as you see. Um, and uh, thank you for listening, uh, uh, for those of you who are listening out there. And uh, um I have a project that is coming out in, uh, uh, later this year called Wrestle Massacre, which uh, definitely uh, check that out. Uh, uh, as we said, uh, next week we will be doing The Shape of Water, which has won three Academy Awards, at least. So uh, definitely ch uh, check that out next week. And uh, hopefully uh, stay tuned, like, and subscribe. My mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.